we're doing our series on Caleb, and we're talking about people of a different spirit. Have you ever met these believers? Have you ever met those believers who are just a bit different? Well, when I was a young boy in a very traditional, conservative, evangelical church, there was always the occasional one. Sometimes it's only one, sadly. One that stands out. And you know what? They're not always the ones that are young and enthusiastic. Although, praise God for them. Sometimes they're old and they're mega enthusiastic. And I've said this before when I've preached, but I'll say it again because it's a lovely memory. There was a wee man called Murdo. That was his name, Murdo. Murdo Milne. He was a postman. He never married. He lived to 90 odd years of age. When that man prayed, you felt like heaven moved. You felt that God listened to a man like that. Not because the other men and women weren't nice people. They loved Jesus. But there was something about that man. He had a fire in him, even to 90-odd, that most of us in the room would long for in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond. There's always one, or there's a few, people who are a different type of people. Now, some people see them as weirdos. They do. They do. Some people see them as weird. I don't know about you. I don't want to settle for a level of Christianity that backs off and says, I'll settle here. That'll be enough. Thanks very much. I want to pursue right through for everything God's got. If people think I'm a weirdo, they think I'm a weirdo. I'm not answerable. I'm answerable to my brothers who I serve leadership with. And yes, there's an element of being answerable to you, but ultimately I'm answerable to God. You're answerable to God. So when God asks you to do stuff, sometimes it might be crazy. Like go and dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll get healed. I ain't doing that. It's smelly down there. But when God says it and we do it, the blessing comes. That's how the blessing comes. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. I've got a few it's a very short scripture I want to read with you. They, the spies, there was 12 of them, came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people, here we go. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Can you just feel the tone? Depressing. The Amalekites live in the Negev. They're big guys. The Hittites the Jebusites, the Amorites, and every other ite you can think of live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And by that time, any men and women of faith want to call the Samaritans. Because quite frankly, the report is desperate. It's all focused on negativity and it's all focused on all the problems, and it's also scaringly focused on the past. 
Listen carefully. We've heard about Anak. In our history, we've heard about Anak. Our parents, our grandparents probably told us about Anak. They're the big guys that descend from the Nephilim who were huge, big giants. Isn't it funny how through families, stories can be told that breed fear? I've seen it in my job. My granny told me maths is terrible. She could never do that algebra. Oh, my dad's the same. He hates maths. Thank you, Lord. Bless your granny. Bless your dad. They've really helped me in my job as a maths teacher. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Because we breed fear. Who knows that fears, fears the faith killer? Can I suggest to you, it's probably the biggest tool of the enemy. Probably one of the biggest tools of the enemy to prevent you from moving into the destiny that God has for you. Fear. What if, what if, what if? It does. Oh, he does indeed. You're bang on. Absolutely. Then Caleb silenced the people. Good idea. Before Moses, and he said, we should go up and we should take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. There they go again. Am I being a bit harsh on these guys? I can be a bit like that sometimes. We all can. But come on, let's recognize it for what it is. It ain't godly. It's fear. It's not faith. And they spread among the Israelites. This gets worse. They spread among the Israelites a bad report. Not only were they unhappy and fearful, they spread it like gangrene around the people of God. They spread a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Can you feel the, the weightiness of trying to scare the living daylights out of the people of God? All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And Deuteronomy 1 says this, No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephun. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Come on. My heart stirs. I hope yours does too. Does anybody want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly? Because I do. And I know some days I let him down. And I know some days I don't always live in all the fullness that I should. But my heart's desire is that I'll live wholeheartedly in love with Christ and not care what other people think about that love and that passion I have for him. Now, if I'm stupid and I do daft stuff, I trust loving brothers and sisters to rein me in. But they're not going to rein me in if they can see what God's doing and it's honoring to God and it blesses you. Okay, so don't listen to the fear that tells you to hold back. So what's the story? Very briefly, 12 guys go in to spy out the land, to check it out. God has already told them it's yours. Go and have a little check out, see what's going on. Bring back some goodies. Show us what's in the land. They come back 
Ten of them are filled with fear and unbelief. There's no way we could do this. But thank God for two guys called Joshua and Caleb who saw it differently. They saw it from God's angle. And the report back, we should do this. God said we can have it. Let's believe God and go for it. Two out of 12. Ain't a very high percentage. Two. Thank God sometimes for the two or the one that stand on the word of God when everybody else says, are you sure? What kind of guy then is this bloke, Caleb? My first heading's this. Passionate, not passive. Have you met brothers and sisters sometimes like this? We can all be like it. Leave it to other people. Sit back. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the worship, worship experience. Let other people do it. Sit back. Passivity. This man, was, he was certainly not passive. He was passionate. The first thing I want to say is he was a man of conviction. He says in, in, in Joshua 14, he says to Joshua, I want the land I was promised by God. And he goes to him, he says, I brought him, Moses, back a report according to my convictions. Sometimes having convictions can be unhelpful if you're too dogmatic in certain things, especially if they are minor issues. But I'll tell you what, if somebody comes to me and says, see when it comes to your faith and what you believe about Jesus and what he's done for you, I find you quite dogmatic. I almost feel like saying thanks very much. I appreciate the compliment. Not that I ram it down your throat, but I, I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming again. I believe he wants to build his church. I ain't going to apologize for being a man of conviction. It's okay to have convictions. And so, what are you convicted about? What was that little quote? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That just came to me. Maybe that's helpful for some. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would people say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that guy. Why is he here? He's a Christian. Uh, how, how would they know that? He's just like everybody else. He gossips, he backbites, he gets hammered at the weekend. He cheats on his wife. You name it. Any, any conviction. What are you willing to stand on? What convictions are you, have you got? This man had convictions. He believed that God had called them to this. And he saw what God saw. He saw what God saw. Big giants, yes, they're coming down. Whereas the other guys saw big giants. <gasps> what do you see, brothers and sisters? What do you see? You look around a hundred or so, hundred or so people. What do you see? Hey, what I see big building filled with hundreds more where we worship God and I see rooms where the, the needy and the poor come because they know that's where you go because they're the most loving, kind, gracious people in this city along with other Christians. Come on. Where do you go? I've been to the NHS or whatever. Bless them. I've been waiting ages. I need an operation. Where can I go? I go down there because the healing power of Jesus Christ is down there. 
I've been tormented with mental health problems for ages, and I need to be free. Where can I go? I go to the people of God. That's what I see. What do you see? Love it. It's a nice wee building. It's great. We have great times of worship. Praise the Lord. I love it. It's great. But what do you see? This man saw something that other men never saw. Secondly, he's all in. There's no compromise. You don't don't tempt me. I'm not interested. I'm going to live for him. He says, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I think it was Keith Green years ago who wrote a book called No Compromise. Guys, can I say it lovingly? Think about every decision you make of any importance. Ask if it glorifies God. Ask if it furthers his kingdom. Who you marry. How you build your family. How you remain pure and walk in a single life and glorify God. Whatever it may be, think about your decisions. Think about the choices you make. And be not, don't be compromised. Don't say, I'll settle for this when God says you can have that. But sometimes you've got to wait. Royal talk more about that next week, probably. The guy had to wait a long time to see the promise come to pass. Anybody in here, without going into detail, still believing God for something years later? Yes, you know what I'm saying. And thirdly, I don't want to steal Roy's message, but I've got to say this. He maintained his zeal. 45 years later, he says this. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Come on. Let me say this just quickly in passing. If you're 50 plus, get excited because you can have life and energy and power in the Holy Spirit to accomplish great things. Don't tell me I'm finished. You ain't finished. God will call you home one day when it's the right day to go. Otherwise, Jesus will come first. Hallelujah. I'd rather have that one. All right. I don't mind having to die, but I'd rather have the rapture. Come on, he comes to the clouds for his people and he'll sweep us up and we'll be with the Lord forever. That's the greatest thing, the greatest thing I can look forward to. But before that day, I ain't going to settle for, well, I'm 56 next month, I'm getting on a wee bit, I'm approaching that 60. No, cut the excuses, Al. Cut the excuses. Live for the glory of God and believe for the promises of God for your own life and for this church's life and our family of churches as well, that we'll see God do great things. Come on. And lastly, in this section, he knew God was for him. Who's blessed by knowing that God is for you? And Paul says, if God is for you, who can be against you? One of my favorites, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all thanks? Hallelujah. This man understood truths that we get in the New Testament even although he never knew the New Testament. He grasped some of those truths. Graciously give us all things. God is for this guy, and he knows it, and he's not ashamed or embarrassed to say so. Quickly moving on. The second thing is this. 
I tried to do a wee bit of Hughes alliteration, so here we go. Focused, not fluffy. That sounds a bit weird, right? That's, that's the best I could come up with, right? Now, I don't mean to be cheeky here, but I've met some fluffy Christians, all right? I don't mean they've got nice cotton wool sort of jackets and stuff, but I've met some fluffy Christians, and it kind of goes like this. You know, they, they just kind of go with the flow. You know, whatever happens on a daily basis, we'll just go with the flow. Caleb, maybe you should say, oh, you should learn to go with the flow a wee bit more, be a wee bit more chill. That's probably true, but this man's not fluffy. He's not anything goes. He's focused. He knows what he wants, and he knows how he's going to get there. He's focused. And first of all, he's focused on what God has said. He says in Joshua 14, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. He's talking to Joshua. You know what the Lord said about you and me, mate. You know what's going on. Perhaps he never said mate. Sorry. I once got in big trouble from my family because in our previous church, there was an old lady of about 95. And I stood up the front one day and said, bless you, mate. And my family said, Dad, she's 95. Don't call her your mate. It's just not very appropriate. So forgive me if I get a little bit, a little bit Essex, all right. But dear friend, that sounds, that sounds too posh, dear friend. But the word of God needs to dwell in us richly. Let me say something. Please hear me. This is a few years of experience since I came to know the Lord. It's been a few, okay? I was raised to believe this, and I know it's true. If you're relying on the Holy Spirit on a daily basis to bring to you things that will build you up and edify you and strengthen you, that you can be a blessing to others, listen to this. There's got to be something in the tank. What's the Holy Spirit going to draw on from within me if there's no word in the tank? So you fill up your life with the word of God and what God says about himself and about you and who you are in Christ and you stand on the word of God. So when you're in difficult situations, the Holy Spirit brings to your mind things that you need. Why? Because they're in the tank. If you don't read the Word of God, if you don't dwell on the Word of God richly, if you can't be bothered spending any time with God, you can't really complain then when there's nothing to bring out. I'm saying that lovingly. Get into the Word of God. But as I also said recently, we don't read the Word of God just to find out information and to find knowledge, although that's helpful. We read the Word of God to meet the God of the Word. That's the key. We meet him. If I read the Bible every day and never encounter his presence, it's a bit lacking. I need to say, Spirit of God, make this come alive to me. I want to meet Jesus. I want to encounter his presence and be transformed by being with him. Secondly, he's focused on what God desires. My brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Let me just say this. Fear affects every area of your life. Here it goes. The enemy puts a wee word in your ear. If you tithe, oh dear, what will happen to your finances? Can you trust God when he says, will I not pour out more than you can cope with? Can you trust God? Oh, come on. You only earn a wee bit. 
you sure you can afford to tithe? It may be, what happens if you boldly witness in the workplace? I've had this from the enemy. You might get sacked. For standing on what you believe. People might complain about you. Maybe you should shut up. Maybe you should keep quiet. Maybe you should dull it down. Don't tell folk what you did on a Sunday. Just talk about the, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, final tonight. I know that because we've been watching it. Okay, uh, and also, um, yeah, pray for me later. Pray for deliverance and healing and everything else that's needed. And, and, and so it goes on. What will people think of you? They'll think you're strange, you're weird. You're one of those Christians. You believe that? That's old-fashioned. That's old hat. People don't believe that anymore. Look at that vicar. Look at that bishop, what he says. And he's a Christian. Hmm. Okay. What happens at work? What happens at work if I tell the truth? That could be messy. You hear me? The enemy, the enemy functions out of fear. That's what he does. And he does it all the time to try and get you and me crushed. We need to resist him and run to the Lord. Thirdly, he's focused on what God has given. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. 45 years later, give me what the Lord gave me. It's mine and my family's inheritance. Listen to this. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says, we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want to say something very loving. Listen, every blessing that we have, being in Christ, it's like it's in a treasure chest. And what happens is, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're given that access to the treasure chest. But you have to make the gifts yours. So look at this as an example. So if I fall out with Jean and I'm bitter and twisted and I won't forgive her, there's forgiveness in the treasure chest. But I need to go to the treasure chest and say, I'm taking that. I choose to forgive. Are you hearing me, church? If you say, I've got no peace, Al, you go to the treasure chest and you take the peace that's been purchased for you and you appropriate it and you say, it's mine. I can walk in peace. Who's getting me here? We sometimes think God will just make everything happen for you. Well, actually, we are called to pray in, to believe in, to grab hold of everything that Christ has purchased for us. That's my responsibility. Maybe there's a reason why this has happened. This weekend, I physically felt pretty rubbish. I came today pretty wiped and didn't feel good. I asked brothers and sisters to pray with me. I feel strengthened. I know what's going on here. He doesn't want me to preach. He wants to shut me up. He wants to stop me preaching. Maybe I should just ask you, can somebody else cover? No. No, 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 no. I'm pressing through. I'm believing God because I've got something important to tell people that can change their lives. That's not being arrogant. That's because the word of God changes people's lives. So we need to grab hold, grab hold of what God's given us 
and get it out of the chest and say, it's mine. Do you know what? That's what this guy did. This is my inheritance. Nobody's going to steal that off me. I'm taking it and nobody's going to budge me from it. What a great attitude. I love this guy. I love the way he goes about things. And fourthly, he, had, he was focused on what God will do. The Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Just as he says, this guy's 85. He says, I'm going to drive these big boys out. And I'm going to get the inheritance that the Lord's given me. Paul says in the New Testament, Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you notice that Caleb says, the Lord helping me? He's not an arrogant man. He didn't go, hey guys, look at me, I'll take the land. No, he says, the Lord helping me, I'll do this because I'll be able to do it because the Lord is helping me. Now, I'm not trying to do a name drop, but this really did impact me. We had Terry Virgo here a few weeks ago preaching, which was fabulous. And uh, I saw something he put on Facebook and it fitted with today. Listen to this. He says, the more aware and the excited we are about our future inheritance, the weaker will be our grip on the stuff of this passing age. Our preoccupation with insignificant things in this world will fade. He's dead right. This is Caleb. Caleb's not fussed about all the goings on round about, all the negativity, all the infighting, whatever it may be. This guy remains focused. He keeps himself in the love of God, as Jude says. He reminds himself on a regular basis how great God is, and he walks with God in such a way that's wholehearted. Paul says to the Thessalonians, guys, girls, I've heard how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Paul says, I've heard about you guys. You laid down all your idols and you came to Jesus Christ and you made the decision, I'm going to serve him wholeheartedly now, just like Caleb. Who's noticed, mind you, when you come to the Lord and you give your life to him, sometimes there's a few idols still kicking about. We need to kick them out. Take responsibility. Kick them out. Whether it's football, whether it's patriotism. I'm grieved, man. I'm grieved. I'm grieved when I see, even in my own nation back home, I still see racism alive and well and kicking when a bunch of Scottish guys want to wear American tops just because they hate England. Come on, guys, get over it. It upsets me. But I'll tell you what, I ain't going to tell you lies. I used to be like that. My parents never raised me to be like that. My church never raised me to be like that. But I wanted England to get beaten at everything. Tiddlywinks. Seriously. You've got to be the English. It's the big boys next door. I'm not proud of that. Thank God he's changed my heart. I tell you, he had to. He had to change my heart. But now it appalls me when I look back and I, and I listen to people. I once had a message. I, I once put a message on Facebook when England did really well at the, some football tournament. Well done, England. Great performance. It was somebody I grew up with, somebody I knew my... my late teens, 20s, or sorry, my, my 20s rather, put, what? 
as if to say, why would you want to wish them well? There are idols we need to crucify our flesh, whether we have a bad attitude towards white or black people, or whether it's people who are travelers. Oh my word, I've met some Romani people in Romania, and the, some of the Romani people are the most despised people in the world. People think they're scum because they're from the Roma. You get it the world over, don't you? People's attitudes, and even Christians. Search it. I wasn't meant to say this, but we've got to go there and we've got to nail this down, right? We've got to nail it down. Even in the Christians, there can be attitudes that stink. They're just abhorrently wrong. And they've become an idol and they need to be smashed so that we love one another and we love the people that God's created in His image. In His image, He's created them. They may look different, they may be different in terms of which part of the world they come from. He's made them in His image. They are, I tell the boys and girls at school, probably the fundamental reason why I'm going to attack racism is because people are made in the image of God. And if you attack people because they're different in terms of the way they look or whatever, you're attacking what God has done. That's one of the most fundamental reasons why I'm not going to be uh, lying down to that, okay? Okay, I'm nearly done. I want to say this. A few weeks ago, a good few weeks ago, our daughter Libby sent us a, a little song that she'd heard. It was a hymn and by a band called Shane and Shane. Now, uh, Roxy mentioned Shane and Shane, I think, in a previous preach where I was preaching from Sam's. And she said, Shane and Shane's a great listen. Do you know what? I found this album by Shane and Shane with some old hymns. And funnily enough, there was a hymn on there that caught my attention, even more than the one our daughter has sent us. You're going to, don't laugh. I'm not trying to copy Roy, okay? But he's going to help me. Who's heard this? It's on the screen. Join in if you know. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus how I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'll tell you why I'm talking about that hymn, because I've been playing it almost every day I go to work. Now, yes, I do remember it from my childhood, but it's even sweeter today. Let me tell you why I'm going to tell you about this song. Because that describes to me what this man was all about. Maybe not Jesus, because he never knew about Jesus probably back then. But in terms of God, just to take him at his word. That's what he did. Just to rest upon his promise. God said that I believe that that settles it. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. The Lord said it, that's it. That's what Wigglesworth used to say. God said it. I believe it, that settles it. I like that, straightforward, to the point. <laughs> and it's actually true. If God says it, if we believe it, that settles it. There's no arguing about it. Okay, that's it. Okay. There, when I was praying about today, I felt the Lord give me um, a little bit of prophetic, a few prophetic words that I hope will help people. But before we do, 
I was, I talked to Debs about this and I was toiling whether I should share this or not. Because sometimes when you share personal stories, it can go either way. People can feel encouraged or sometimes people can think, why is he talking about himself and not somebody else? But two things have happened today, three things, that I know I need to tell you this. In the prayer meeting, Simon mentioned something about chains having to go. Then we come through here and we sing this song, His Blood Breaks the Chains. And then my dear brother here shouts out, break the chains. So let me tell you this as an example. The promises of God that we're living with will be varied. But if God's spoken to us, even today, we can commit ourselves again to say, Lord, I'm going to trust what you said. Because some of those things I've kind of forgotten a little bit. And I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to a Bible, some Bible I have in the house, where I'd, I'd written, typed these out and stuck them in my Bible. But where is that Bible? And I went to my Bible and I found it. And I'd stuck these in. So listen to this. Here's one example. This is not being arrogant. This is an example of what I'm talking about when God speaks to you, right? This was a prophetic word given to me by a dear brother who's German. And he serves leading a church in Germany. And he said... I just saw a queue of people in front of you and they came in chains in front of you and I saw that you will get authority. You have authority to break these chains from people and that there is a huge queue so it's like God will set you free in this area more and more to set others free in the name of Jesus. Now I can either go, thanks very much bro, that's really nice. Or I can say, Lord, not because I'm great, but this is what you asked me to do. I want to set people free because I love them and I want them to be in the purpose of everything you have for them. That's just an example. What has God promised you? What's God put in your heart? What have you been praying for and believing God for for a long time? Let's, let's press in today. Let's press in and wholehearted commitment to say, Lord, I'm up for this again. I'm sorry I've forgotten about it, but I'm back up here for this. I'm going for it. So here's the prophetic words I want to bring. I felt the Lord give me four words, okay? Four individual words, but they all begin with this. This is not a very good word. It's a very negative word. The first one is this. that I believe there's some people here today who have been believing God, but it failed to come to pass. I want you to be free today from the pain of past disappointment. Secondly, discouragement. Things that people said to me, things that people did to me, made me unwilling to proceed due to fear of the consequences. I backed off. I no longer pursue anymore because people said stuff or dealt with me in such a way that crushed me. The third one surprised me. I wasn't expecting God to reveal this or show this to me, right? Dis-ease. Disease. And it, I felt this was like people who have been energetically serving the Lord in the past, but health issues have got in the way that have curtailed their active engagement. Now, hear me carefully. You can be struggling with health issues and be massively on fire for God and being used by God. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying something you were involved in 
and you feel like you, you're not quite hitting it the way you used to because of various issues to do with health. And I want to say to you, I felt that the Lord maybe stressed a little bit on me that it was possibly more to do with mental health maybe than physical health. You once were walking with the Lord, you were fruitful, you were going for it, and some stuff's come in. It's just prevented you from that fullness of what you want. And the last one is disillusionment. You believed in something. You thought this was God. It turned out not to be true. And you're here maybe. You're maybe here because somebody's dragged you here. Or you're maybe here because you think, I'll try and make some contact with the church. But deep down your heart, you're disillusioned. What was that all about? What is that all about? What happened there? So today, um, I'm going to invite the band to come back and join us. But I really want us to get free. It's not about superstars. It's not come to Al to get free. That's absolute nonsense. It's come to God himself today. Other brothers and sisters are here to pray with you, to help you, to stand with you. Because you know what, brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, I want every, and they, all of us as elders do, we want every brother and sister in this family to be walking in glorious freedom. We don't want you to be saying for the next 20 years, she hurt me back then. God's call today is to get free. We've all been hurt. People have said stuff, done stuff. We've all experienced some rubbish. But what's the choice? The choice is to stay with the rubbish. With the garbage bags around you and go, yeah, I love Jesus. Or get free of the rubbish. Which one do you want? Which one do I want? I want to be free. Sorry, I'm not trying to do a Freddie Mercury impersonation. I want to be free. I want to break free. Right, okay. But actually, actually, that's God's heart for us today. He wants you to be as free as you can be. Where you think, I cannot think of anybody I'm out of line with. I cannot think of anybody I haven't forgiven. I know that I'm walking in right relationship with my brothers and my sisters or my people. I know that. So there's n my heart's clear. My conscience is clear. I know that I'm keeping myself in the love of God, just like Caleb. So as we worship the Lord, I believe we're going to sing some songs that are talking about surrendering ourselves afresh to the Lord. That would be a lovely thing to do. Jean, remember the red shoes. Remember the red shoes. People of God, any other promises God's given you, remember the promises of God. Even in your bleakest day when you think, how on earth can that happen? Believe God. If I told you nothing else and you never listened to me the rest of your life, if I just said, believe what God says, that will bring you into a great place compared to going it your own way, doing your own stuff, holding on to stuff that binds you down. Believe God and press in. Come on. Press into all that God's got for you because it's a glorious inheritance as this dear man found out in his latter years. Thank you, Jesus. Shall we just um, start to worship the Lord? And please, come Come forward if you'd like people to pray with you, to be encouraged. Life group leaders, elders, wives, come and be available to pray with people. If any of those words speak to you, 
let the person know this is the one. You don't have to go into all the details unless you want to, but let them know so they can pray into that. And let's see God do some great things, okay? Because he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. He does. <laughs> he loves us so much. He does not want to leave us as we are. He wants to change us. Okay. Thank you, Lord.